from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. Be sure to visit our ministry website, where you can find all kinds of great digital, audio, video, and print resources. It's all available online at djkm.org. We live in troubling times when it seems as if America is more divided than at any time in decades, when sexual anarchy seems to rule the day, when it appears that people have departed from the truth of God en masse, one can begin to feel helpless, powerless, and ineffective in such times. But have you ever stopped to consider the possibility that this is exactly where God wants you to be and that he has put you right here, right now, for a critical purpose? That's exactly the question Dr. D. James Kennedy asks and answers in a way that should encourage you and embolden you in this classic message for such a time as this. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the fourth chapter of the book of Esther. In the Old Testament, you'll Find that right after Nehemiah. That helps, does it? How about right before Job? Well, that's a big one. You can't miss that. Esther chapter 4. And today we will be reading one of the great, great texts of the Bible. I think that this passage needs some setting in order to be understood. The scene is the palace at Shushan, which is one of the capitals of the great empire of Persia. You remember that Cyrus and the Medo-Persian Empire conquered the Babylonians and uh, freed the Jews. And now, several generations later, there are still many, many Jews throughout the empire that did not go back. Mordecai has a cousin, a younger cousin, by the name of Esther. They are, she is a Jewess, and he is a Jew. When Vashti, the queen, refuses to come and display herself before the guest of the king and is banished from the throne, Esther is chosen in her place as the most beautiful lady, young lady in uh, Persia. I guess she would be Miss Persia of uh, 473 or something like that, B.C., and she comes to the throne. Now, the sinister Haman is the prime minister. He has been elevated by the king Ahasuerus, which is the Hebrew name for Xerxes I. 
And uh, he has been given great riches, great power, great pomp, and yet there is one man who will not bow down and do obeisance to him when he passes, and that is Mordecai. Now, Haman was not the kind of man to forgive. He wasn't even the kind of man to get even. He's going to wipe out the whole race because of that impertinence on the part of Mordecai. And so he inveigles from Xerxes, Ahasuerus, a decree that all of the Jews in the entire Persian Empire should be slaughtered. He does not know, nor does anyone know, that his queen is a Jewess. Safe, ensconced in the palace, she is above all of these things. She doesn't even know that this has happened at first until Mordecai alerts her to the disaster which is impending. Esther chapter 4, verse 10 Esther is now communicating through a servant, Hatak, with her cousin Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And may God speak loudly to our hearts through this passage today. Amen. Why were you born? Now, that's one of the questions that college students wrestle with. Maybe you have, or maybe you have not heretofore wrestled with it. But I have another one for you, even more important. Why were you born again? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I assure you that our text today will drive you to a consideration thereof. The time is 490 B.C. The place is a field called Marathon, familiar name perhaps, northeast of Athens by 
26 miles. Darius, the king of the vast Persian Empire, which stretched all the way from Ethiopia and Egypt to the eastern edges of India, has brought a great army, the largest army ever amassed before 180,000 soldiers, and landed them in Greece, where an army of 11,000 Athenians encountered them. The generals, realizing that this was going to be a massacre, sent a runner to Sparta to get help. You know, we probably are aware of the fact that a runner by the name of Pheidippides ran at the end of this battle the 26 miles to Athens and said, Rejoice, we conquer, and fell dead. And that's where we get the marathon, those 26 miles. And Darius and the great Persian Empire were turned back in 490 B.C., but 10 years later in 480, Xerxes, Ahasuerus, is on the throne, and he is still smarting from the defeat that his father experienced at the hands of the Greek. And so he organizes the greatest army and navy that the world had ever seen and determines to do it again. This is World War II, long before Hitler ever thought about it. <clears throat> but his huge fleet was cut in half and decimated by the Greeks at Salamis, famous battle at sea, and then his troops were destroyed at Plataea. His plans were to Persianize Europe. Why, if he had won the battle, we might all be be Zoroastrians, because that's what they were. But God defeated the purpose of that king. He had another purpose. When he was inveigled by Haman, his prime minister, to destroy all of the Jews in Persia, because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him, this purpose, too, which, according to the laws of the Medes of Persians, could not be changed, <laughs> God changed. So if, it, if Xerxes the king had gotten his way, there would be no Christ because the Jewish race would have been exterminated and we would be Persian Zoroastrians. But God is the real king and sovereign of this world. Now our text, which is a great text, the greatest text in Esther, which as all of you ladies named Esther know, means star. And she was a star. It clearly falls out into four major points. First, 
if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, and shows that we may fail God and our duty by doing or saying nothing. Or as St. Ambrose put it, not only for every idle word must man give an account, but for every idle silence. Why is it that on so many sides we are losing the cultural war? It's because of what they say and do and because of what we don't say and do. Those, of course, are called sins of omission. And I believe that in the long run, what we don't do and don't say may be the things that create the greatest amount of evil in our world. We have been commanded to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature. All we have to do to disobey that is nothing. Say nothing, do nothing. And we are guilty. And we are the ones that by default have brought upon our land a flood of unbelief and wickedness. If Esther held her peace, the result would have been what? That all of the Jews would have been killed. No. Read it again. Then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Did you ever hear the saying, or even they put it into a song, that we are the only hands and feet that God has? You heard that? Question. If that is true, who made our hands and feet? If we altogether hold our peace, if we fail God by doing and saying nothing, then what will happen? There shall arise a large enlargement, deliverance, and help to the Jews from another source. God is sovereign. Now there are some who will say, oh, well, that's good. I can sit back and forget about it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, God, just check me out. I'm not going to be involved. Well, before you vote yourself out of the game, let me continue. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Let me make one thing clear. Every sin that we commit, whether of commission or omission, will inevitably involve our suffering loss. Now I can hear the machinery grinding between some ears, see smoke coming out. 
You say, but wait a minute, now, now Jesus died for my sins, so now I can just do whatever I want and not do whatever I don't want to do. Isn't that right? No. Mm-mm. What then, said Paul? Let us sin that grace may abound. God forbid, he says. God forbid. We have died unto sin that we might live unto Christ. We will suffer loss in this life. Read 1 Corinthians 3, where it tells that because we have not served Christ as we should, that what we have done will be burnt up and we shall suffer the loss of those rewards which God would be pleased to give to us eternally. Every sin involves our loss. In this case, but thou and thy father's household shall be destroyed. Perhaps it will not be that egregious in your life But that loss will come and has come in every one of our lives. Every one of our lives is less than what God would be pleased to have it be if we had been faithful to him. And lastly, every opportunity in this life must be perceived as a call from God. What a great statement this is when he says to her, And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Why were you born? Why were you born again? Why were you brought into the kingdom of God at this time? For what reason? For Esther, it was a great crisis for her people. We live in a time of crisis. We, without doubt, are in the midst of a great cultural, spiritual war where the forces of darkness are attempting to overwhelm the forces of light and virtue. And whoever is most active and vigilant, as Patrick Henry said, will be the victor in that battle. How about you? Are you serving in these dark times? I believe that it is very possible that if American Christians will wake up, get out of the bleachers and down on the playing field and get involved that we can turn this country around. But I don't know the secret purposes of God. And it may be that 20 years from now, I won't be here to see it, but some of you will, we could look back and see, because the Christians did not do this, because they continued in the same kind of apathy that they have existed in for decades, The situation in America got worse and worse and worse. As Mrs. Billy Graham said years ago, unless America repents, if God does not chasten 
this country severely. God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We live in a dark time. What have you done in the midst of such a time as this? Have you taken a stand against the pornography, against the abortion, against the radical homosexual agenda, against the infanticide, against all the various things? Have you written one letter? Have you protested in one march? Have you given a talk? Have you done anything at all? I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. And what I can do, that I will do. The sin of doing nothing at all. That is the great sin of the Christian church. Who knows why thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Think about it. And do something. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee that when Esther was confronted with this challenge, this beautiful and dear young lady said, Pray for me. And in three days, though it is against the law and the price is death, I will go unbidden into the inner court of the king. And if I perish, I perish. God, give us that commitment for such a time as this. In Christ's name, amen. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then God has called you for such a time as this to be actively involved in leading others to faith in Jesus Christ. But perhaps you're watching today and you've never really heard the wonderful good news of the gospel. Well, it's simply this. Heaven is a free gift. It's not something that we can earn or deserve because the Bible tells us that we're all sinners. In thought, word, and deed, we have all broken God's commandments. And God has declared that He will not let the guilty go unpunished. So you and I have a problem. But being merciful, God solved our problem by sending His Son, Jesus, to die in our place. Jesus Christ willingly died on the cross to pay for our sins and rose from the dead to purchase a place for us in heaven, which he now offers as a free gift. And we receive this gift by faith. 
If you'd like to have life to the full now and know that you will spend eternity with God in heaven someday, we can go to God together in prayer right now. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I deserve God's just punishment. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, change me, and make me a new person. I commit my life to you and thank you for the free gift of eternal life. And it's in your name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then I'd like to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. And to help you get started in your new faith, we want to send you Beginning Again, the book written by Dr. Kennedy for New Believers. In these pages, you'll learn some of the basics of the Christian life, such as how to pray, how to study the Bible, and even how to tell someone else about what you have just done. To receive Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. And may God richly bless you. As Dr. Kennedy shared in his message today, it's possible that each of us was placed right here, right now, for such a time as this. There will always be those trying to suppress the truth and propagate falsehood and immorality. But it is our duty, with God's help, to stand strong. Recently, a new attempt to silence Christians is taking place in the online world. Major Silicon Valley tech companies like Google and Facebook are actively censoring Christian and conservative views. Well, what can we do about it? We have developed a vital resource to help you understand this battle. It's our powerful DVD documentary, Censoring the Truth, Facebook, Google, and the New Media Gatekeepers. And we want to send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online to djkm.org. In this program, we speak with those who are directly being affected by this new censorship, including Dennis Prager, whose Prager University videos have been suppressed by YouTube, as well as David Kyle Foster, whose videos promoting deliverance from sexual sin through Jesus Christ have been banned by Vimeo. The program also features expert commentary from Ben Shapiro, pro-life activist Lila Rose, and others. This is a DVD you will want to watch as well as share with others, especially children and grandchildren who are immersed in the world of social media. Will you please consider giving us a generous donation to help us continue to air powerful truth from Dr. Kennedy, shining the light on key issues of the day and making a difference in influencing America for Christ. If you do, we'll thank you by sending you, the DVD documentary, Censoring the Truth, Facebook, Google, and the New Media Gatekeepers. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or go online 
to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.